Okie dokie folks, welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, the Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SC Microphones. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have rock legend Dave Mason. He is known for his solo work and for being a member of the band Traffic, for which he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He also played with others such as Jimi Hendrix, Paul McCartney, Graham Nash, and many, many more. Dave Mason will be at the Greenwich Odium on June 22nd.
Hi, John. Dave Mason. Hi, Dave. How are you? Good. We spoke a few years ago, and we met, I think you were in New Bedford then. Now you're on a tour again. What? What is this tour? Well... Does it have a name? We're always on tour. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's what the world in changes. I was at Paul McCartney the night before. You played on Venus and Mars with him? Yeah, I played on uh, Listen to What the Man Said. What did you play on that uh, that song? The guitar line. Oh, that was you playing that part? That's uh, me and McCartney. You've got your own career, which in, in its own way is, is amazing, but you've played on so many albums that are just... I mean, you've played on albums that are just total classic albums. I mean, you've played on Beggar's Banquet. You played on All Things Must Pass. You played on uh, Graham Nash's album. Electric uh, Ladyland. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you played with Hendrix. I mean, that's that's the big one. You played on All Along the Watchtower. I mean, you've got some amazing credentials in there. And you're a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member. With traffic, yes. Right. I mean, it's that's just an amazing legacy. And you've been at this for what 57 years 60 years or so yeah yeah we have the same birthday we're just born 15 years apart (laughs) that's one of those things every time it comes around it's like yep dave mason donovan bono we all have the same birthday (laughs) (laughs) uh you're gonna be playing at the odium in east greenwich on the 22nd what are you uh planning on playing in that show what's what's the set list for this one stuff from the new uh from alone together or alone together again the new reissue of that that i did and some traffic stuff which sort of re some of the my or my little versions of it a pretty cool version of low spark by oh boys oh cool i love that song i didn't yeah i didn't know you were on that album i'm not oh (laughs) i'm not i have a uh but my but the way I do it is totally different from what the way the, the way they re- recorded it. Okay. There's a new song in there, and then they you know featured a couple of the other members doing some other stuff. So it's 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 kind of you know it's a mix. Obviously, there's something in there that somebody wanted to hear that you didn't do. So you know it, you can't fit everything in. But yeah, that's uh, that's true. It's it's always you're never gonna you always gonna leave him wanting more. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the first time I saw you was in 1976, and you opened for Elton John at Schaefer Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Right. It was the 4th of July. That was the very first time I'd seen you and your hit. You had We Just Disagree was your hit at the time. Right. And it was right. it was pretty cool to see you then. It was um, That was a big show. That was a crazy big show. I was 15 years old and uh, I can remember watching you and you were still daylight when you were playing too. You went on at like 5 o'clock or something or 6 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some crazy early time, but that was yeah. a, that was a crazy show. I mean, that was way back. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's making me feel old. <laughs> One of the things I did not know was that you filled in to Fleetwood Mac for a short period of time for Lindsey Buckingham. I didn't realize that. Well, there was a yeah, it was a version. Well, it was a, we did an album. You know, there was a whole album called Time, which really sort of didn't really get promoted and really sort of went by the way side and i was in a version of you know christine mcvee was on the album but she didn't go on the road you know basically the only two members there were mick and john and you know it's sort of it's sort of so it was just sort of finished up as being like a fleetwood mac cover band <laughs> <laughs> who was the other guitar player uh billy burnett Oh, he was he was in it still. Billy Burnett and Becca Bramlett. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. And that was in the nineties. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember. I just read about it. I didn't remember seeing that last time I talked to you. That was something that just was new that popped up that I had seen. Yeah, it was a couple of years. We did a lot of touring here and in Europe uh, and in Japan too. So, oh, well, they're always big fans of music out in Japan. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was kind of interesting, but it's sort of like I said, it, it sort of turned into sort of Fleetwood Mac cover band. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of those out there now, so... Yeah, there's a lot of them, a lot of cover bands. It's yeah. amazing. Well, I, I play in one myself. I play in a Neil Young tribute band, so... Cool. So I, I was watching this video of you, and it seems apropos that I say this to you now. I think the video was about 20 years old, and I'm wondering how you feel about this comment that you made 20 years ago. You said, rock and roll is an attitude, not an age. How do you feel about that comment now? It's well the same. Do you still feel the same? Yeah. I mean, but you can, you know, you can apply that just to life in general. <laughs> I mean, are you feeling the rigors of the road and is it has it slowed you down any? I mean, like I said, I saw McCartney the other night, 80 years old, three hours show, bopping around the stage like he's 20. And it's like, I can't do that. It's not as easy as it was when I was younger. Traveling, that's for sure. Yeah. But I still, you know, I love playing. Yeah, I can tell. I mean, that's that's the thing, too, is a lot of the people I've talked to over the years, that's the thing, is it's the tr they love the playing. They don't think they'll ever quit. It's just the traveling that gets to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I don't get paid for the show. I get paid to leave the house. Is what <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel the same way, too. The playing's the fun part. The playing's the, well, I shouldn't say it's the easy part, because you know, there's 50 years of work behind what you've done and, you know, what we've done as performers behind, you know, yes. that. And it's just getting there, which is the, the, the grueling part. So, yeah, you're alone together again. That's a re-release of the album. Uh, no, no, it's a total brand new re-recording. There's some stuff on there that's World in Changes, for instance, is not the same as it was on the original. Okay. Um, some of the Marita set in deep as you, I think, is way better. So uh, the, they were there. That's a fifty-year sandwich there. You you've basically bookended your solo albums with those two. I mean, Alone Together was seventy, and Alone Together yeah. Again was twenty twenty. That's a fifty-year span, and you've got some great albums in between there. Yeah, well, I just sort of did. I, you know, I just was. I didn't really intend to redo it or put it out. I was so I sort of started fooling around with songs on it kind of just for my own amusement mm. you know maybe 10 years ago and uh and then uh, everybody said well shoot why not you know you know 50 years is coming up why not put this together as a an album so it's it's the way the vinyl is multicolored the packaging is pretty similar so um yeah you know we take it to the show and which is of course what we have to do with with our music these days right there's no money in, in in royalties anymore that doesn't exist well the internet killed it so, yeah it did it's sad i mean people used to be able to to record one song have a hit with it and that would basically be their life and then they could go play music without stress now you still have to stress because you got to get out there and play and you know work every night to make money well you can't it's it's it, that too but there's no no way to get your new music heard really i mean everybody talks about the internet but they forget the terrestrial radio is still very powerful right and, and there but there's nobody home yeah there's, they they don't play i mean you turn on terrestrial radio from today and it's like you could have turned the same station on and it would have the same song playing 50 years ago it's i mean you it know, hasn't changed 
It's I mean, a, there's nobody there. There's no D. There's no. There's nobody great. There's no DJs. There's no great, sh you know, person there. There's nobody home. Is the point? Yeah. They just put somebody puts a card in and they go out and smoke a cigarette and eat some donuts for half an hour. You know. Yeah. And and in. You don't have those great stories of a DJ breaking the song for you when the DJ right, in exactly. Detroit, like he played this song a hundred times over the weekend until people listened to it just because he loved the song. It doesn't happen exactly. anymore. No, it's that's that which is which is, you know, that's it's just it, it's too bad, you know, but they just they got rid of it because it was just, you know, just didn't want to it costs it it's all about the money in the end. Yeah, so. I mean there's so much about money these days that just is ruining everything. It's it's sad. I mean Yeah. It, it's it's crazy sad, so. Yeah. Um, one of the things I notice is you like to play the twelve string a lot. Well, I use it. I mean, obviously, I mean, I this particular show. I mean, I'm only using it for we just disagree. Okay. Um, what kind is it that you're playing these days? I've, I've had them for years. They're Alvarez Yaris. Oh, the Alvarez. Okay. They don't make them anymore. I mean, I've had these for years, and they're good road guitars, you know. And they give a they give a good facsimile of an acoustic guitar, uh -huh. and and I I wouldn't take good. I wouldn't take anything good out on the road acoustic. No, no, because it's it's too rough on the on the road. Now you play twelve string on uh, all along the Watchtower, right? I do. Yeah. You want to tell? I I've I've heard a you know we like I said we've talked before in the past, but this is an opportunity for other people to hear some of this stuff. So maybe you can relate some of the stories of playing with Hendrick recording along the Watchtower. You know, I mean, he picked it up off the uh, off the John Wesley Harding album. Obviously, and then uh, I guess something buzzed in his head, and he wanted to do it. And we were—I'd been—we'd been hanging out here and there. I was actually—it was during a period where I, had, after the first Traffic album, where I uh, w left the band that first time. And actually, I was—I was seriously talking with Jimmy about taking Noel Redding's place hmm. in, in the band, but uh, the management kind of put a stop to that. But we—we we hung out quite a bit, you know. He's like, "We're going." Well, I'm, I'm going to the studio, you know, come on down to the studio where, you know, so and then it was just myself, me, me, him and Mitch Mitchell at the track. You know, I mean, he played bass on most of that album anyway. So that's how it was recorded. Um, but, but there's not, there's no big wow sort of story, Joe. It's just. How'd you good. connect with him initially? Well, you'd think about it is, is there's, you know, in England, in the, there's really only one place that everybody finished up and that's London. Unlike America, where there were, how many music? Music scene, scenes, L.A., San Francisco, Nashville, Muscle Shoals, Philadelphia, New York, Chicago. You know, all these places. England, was, everybody was in one place. So you in, invariably, you'd go to these two or three after-hour semi-private clubs. You know, the, the Speakeasy, and there'd be Hendrix, and, or Lennon, and McCartney, you know, or whoever. You know, be there for a drink, sitting around or eating, having some dinner late at night. And that's how we met. I just sort of sat down and started talking with him. He was a big traffic fan. And I was obviously, I was a fan of his. And that's how it, that's how I got to, I mean, that was the social circle that we were moving in, you know, when I was 19, 20, 21. So is that so, how you hooked up with Graham Nash and McCartney and the Stones the same way? Same, pretty much the same. I mean, Graham traffic did a tour with the Hollis, the Who, the Hollis. You know, that's, yeah, but pretty much the same. I mean, everybody was kind of in London. Brian, I mean, I spent a lot of time, a few, quite a few times with Brian Jones, who musically was super talented. Mm -hmm. Just too bad, got so messed up. But that's basically, yes, um, that's how I sort of got involved 
being there with the Stones. And of course, we were, you know, and everybody like everybody was pretty, you know, was more or less recording at the same studio. Um, what studio was that? Olympic. And so it was just a very small social circle of people, engineers, studios, producers, musicians. So you really didn't, you really couldn't help but run into everybody. So you recorded on All Things Must Pass with George Harrison. What songs did you play on that one? Do you remember? You know, you know I, I have no clue. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't, there's a list somewhere. I don't remember. But there, there was so many people at those some of those sessions. It was, you know, it's, it's hard to remember what, what I played on and what I didn't play on. <laughs> well, you played on Street Fighting Man with the Stones on Beggar's Banquet, yeah, right? Yeah. Me and Brian are playing. Me, Brian, and Charlie are playing the drum part. Oh, okay. And then I play that, um, which I saw they were credited to Brian, but it's actually me. Uh, that weird horn on the Vamp Out, which is an Indian Shenai. Oh, yeah, I saw that on your uh, your list of what you play. Yeah, so that's kind of my contribution to that. Oh, cool. So uh, how do you feel being a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member? Does it, does it shatter your life or does it make it better? <laughs> I was waiting for the gold watch. I didn't get one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering. I mean, I'm wondering how you feel about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing because it seems to be like the people that are being put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now. It's it's getting ridiculous that they they just don't even really. I don't think they get the concept of rock and roll. Like they're just throwing anybody in there now, and it doesn't seem like I don't know. I mean, you deserve to be in the people like, you know, there, there are people that deserve to be in there that are icons of the music business like yourself and the things you've contributed to. But there are people that are floating around in there that's like, why? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I understand. But, you know, you it's, you got people like Jan Winner and stuff controlling it all and stuff. So you got all that, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm just not too, I'm just not hip enough, man. Not cool enough. <laughs> It just seems like, I don't know, it seems very commercialized. It's like very, what they think is cool as opposed to what is, you know, really a, you know, transitional phase or somebody who really made a contribution to, to the Yeah, world. I mean, they only just, you know, they, they only just put the Doobie Brothers in there for the first, last year, for Christ's sake. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. They've been around for 50 years. They had some amazing <laughs> songs and they, I mean... And besides the fact that, you know, the whole off of Steely Dan and Michael McDonald and, you know, right. Baxter and all those things, all the influence they had in that kind of orbit around them, too. It's just it's just crazy. I don't I don't get it. I'm just always amazed at the people that are in there and the people that are on. Well, there shouldn't be any rap artists in there. That's for damn sure. Oh, no, I, I <laughs> agree with that wholeheartedly. They need a whole separate section for the whole separate thing for that. Yeah, I mean, I agree totally. I don't even consider that stuff. I don't know. That's yeah. Well, I, me neither. <laughs> I don't want to get in there. So so bad uh, poetry. Bad poetry with a beat. Yeah, know? exactly. So <laughs> anyway. uh, how did you get get going with traffic to begin with? I mean, take me through the the origins of traffic. How you started that? Yeah, we were just. I mean, Jim Capaldi and I grew up ten miles from each other. So now, how old we were had, you when when you started it? With, with what? With traffic? Yeah. Oh, uh, nineteen. So Jim and I had bands, and you know we played. And we were big fans of Spencer Davis, of course, Spencer Davis Group, and um, and you played. Ended up recording with them too. I sang on "Somebody Help Me," and I'm singing on "Give Me Some Loving," and I'm a man. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they were, you know, they're from they're from Birmingham, which is thirty miles away from Worcester. You know, in our local bands, we'd play up there, and, and then there was a um, sort of semi-private club up there um late night place where you could eat drink you know just score some hash <laughs> you know 
and, uh, you know, we'd go there, and that, that's kind of where we sort of met Winwood. And there'd be a little stage with the band playing, and we'd get up and jam occasionally. And, and it just sort of developed into a, I don't know, it just it really developed into the four of us. Steve knew Chris Wood. So it really was just the four of us kind of just hung out when we could for, for all, you know, a year or more, get stoned and listen to music and this and that. And then Steve decided that he was tired of being called the young Ray Charles and whatever it was, Spencer Davis and wanted to do something new and that's really how it started and that that's basically how it started for young guys just hanging out now how is it you kept you left and came back and stuff like that what was the reasoning behind that thing was is i wrote i mean i really i wrote their first big hit and the first song i ever wrote which was uh Holy and you're a shoe yeah yeah the reason i left first off was because i was I couldn't deal with the sudden fame, I guess, basically. It was all too much for me. I just couldn't, I couldn't cope with it. So I left I, when I produced, and that's when I sort of, in that period, did some work with, you know, with Hendrix and, and other stuff and produced an, produced an album for a group called The Family. Music in a Doll's House, very, very progressive kind of album. And that's when I started coming over here to the States knew Graham Parsons, got to know Graham Parsons, who introduced me to Delaney and Bonnie. And then I met up with Traffic. They were in New York cutting the second album, and they they only had five songs. So I went over to the studio just to say hi to everybody, and they were, you know, so we got, you know, I said, well, I got, I've got five songs. They were like, well, shit, you're back in the band. <laughs> and one of them was feeling all right. And so that's that's how that got back together. Well, you wrote Mr. Fantasy, too, right? No. I'm sorry. I got that wrong, then. Well, I'm originally down as a writer. They took me off. Oh, that's maybe what I saw somewhere floating so, around. I was and... down as one of the writers on it. But really, it was, um, you know, I mean, all those songs, uh, other songs that weren't right, I mean, they're really all Capol they're all Capolda's lyrics. Mm -hmm. uh, these music, you know. But your solo stuff, I mean, I, the stuff that I, I really like, you know, We Just Disagree, Let It Go, Let It Flow, Mystic Traveler. I mean, those are great songs. I, that's that's when I really started to get into you in, in the mid-70s when, you know, you were playing that stuff, when I saw you live. Because I was, you know, I was, I was a teenager, so I was, I was listening, exploring, and finding new stuff. And I, like I said, I saw you, I remember that song. I was playing guitar back then, and We Just Disagree was a really cool acoustic song to what I was hearing from you you back then and you know all the stuff that you've you've played over the years i mean you've got a like i said you have an amazing resume you've got you know some great albums out there i mean you're you're an iconic figure in music it's just you know a lot of people a lot of people don't know the ins and outs what else you've done i mean they know you as you know dave mason songwriter traffic but a lot of people don't know the you know the hendrix thing the paul mccartney thing the graham nash the, you know that's a lot of stuff that people just you know you know the surface fans never really get well they can they can find out about it in the book oh you have a book <laughs> it's gonna be coming out next year what's the name of it only you know and i know oh perfect <laughs> Cause you know that I'm me. 
So it's coming out next year? Yeah, it was supposed to come out probably around November. It was supposed to come in November, but I think it's going to get pushed back to next year. Everything's late. Everything's been delayed. Everything's been rerouted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The world is, is needs to be put on hold while everything catches up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do during the pandemic? Were you active during the pandemic with any live streaming, or did you have tours canceled or what? Well... I 2020, there was no tour. My wife and I sat it out in, uh, I have a little, little place in Maui. So we just spent two years there. Well, that's a good I, place to do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were lucky we had it. I had some new stuff that I wrote. I did a pretty, there's a really cool video of Feeling All Right with me, which was all done, all done, everybody separately, but it was <laughs> in their own places. But there's a great little video of Feeling All Right with me. Me, the Doobie Brothers, Sammy Hagar, Mick Fleetwood, Michael McDonald, just sat there. Wow. It's pretty cool. It's a good company. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I did that, and then I did the video for World, the new version of World and Changes, which is which is out there on my, should be up on my YouTube channel. So uh, you live in Hawaii and uh, Nevada? Well, my 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 res my residence is in Nevada. Yeah, Carson City, I think it's, I think I saw. Well, actually, it, it was. We've lived in Reno and Carson. We're, we're further south now. We're we're very rural. We're down here in and and as the building says, world famous Gardnerville. <laughs> People, I say I live in Gardnerville, and they look at me like, huh? What? Are Where? you a are you a gambler, Dave? No. <laughs> that's a good thing <laughs> and we're you know we're just dispute it's just it's absolutely beautiful i mean I, I just look out over cattle ranches and horse farms and then i we back up right against the sierra mountains oh wow and then i go you know 15 minutes over the mountain and i'm in lake tahoe wow that's nice yeah it's beautiful and how long have you lived there we just moved back here in January, actually, recent. Oh, so because you were in the in Hawaii for the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. And you've you've lived in the states for quite a long time. Since 1969. Yeah. Your 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 British accent is almost gone. It's almost it's barely detectable at this point. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> that happens. That happens. I, you know, I've been here so long. I'm just sort of. I don't really. You know, I my the where I grew up is a very broad country accents, a lot of farmland and stuff. I was just brought up to speak the Queen's English, so I don't know what kind of accent I really had in the first place. See, I just hear a little bit of it now when you just a little accent there. I'm just a citizen, as my dad had on the back of his car. I'm a citizen of the world. Well, that's a good thing. We're all citizens of the world, really. That's, yeah. If everybody would realize that, the world would be a better place. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully someday they will. <laughs> These days, I think it's going to be. I'll be. I'll be long gone after, before they get there. Oh, yeah. So you're. You're. I, I noticed you do some philanthropic. Philanthropic. <laughs> I can't talk today. Five times. Go ahead. <laughs> you do uh, little kids rock and you do uh, rock on vets. You want to tell me about those two organizations? Well, the little kids rock is really. I mean, I'm not. You know, I have to be honest and say I'm not. I can't say that I'm like actively involved. I was just asked if I would be the, uh, you know, part of it, support it a long time ago. Oh, okay. Which, uh, which 
of course I am because I think it's just I think it's just ludicrous that that music and the arts was take are taken out of the public school curriculum is ridiculous oh yeah uh, totally and but mostly I, I'm more actively involved in uh, rock our vets which is really we we support all I mean obviously military but we support um, law enforcement uh, fire you know first responders anything we could I can do to help people with that you know that need help no, how do you do that? Do you do concerts? I do some concerts, and I mean we're very small, you know, charity, and and you know we do we we not just money we look for because most people need things, right? They need stuff, so and we give pretty much you know every, you know anything that we do get goes to goes to where it's supposed to go, right? Not like a lot of charities that True. you know, and we're small. But we, you know, when I can do something, we do of how people with starting farms, cleaning services, and or we give away computer, you know, computers, things, and clothes, you know, th things that they need. So I'm wondering um, if you ever, um, a friend of mine, Robin Lane, runs an organization where she deals with, uh, you know, traumatized women and she does songwriting with them. I, this uh, other songwriter, Mary Gaucher, had dealt with vets. Um, she did a whole album about vets and stuff. I'm I'm wondering if you ever do anything where you work with them uh, and use songwriting as a process for healing. I don't. Um, no, I have I, that. I don't. I don't do that. I just. I've been more, more, can, more like lending myself to things like. I mean, a lot of times we will. Especially, mostly, it's on the East Coast because that's what's based. Okay. And we're, and we're very. And like I said, we're small. But then when I'm doing shows there, we'll we'll auction off guitars and stuff like that, and, and use the proceeds to do you know donate back to people that need stuff. You know that's kind of more where it's where it's at for me. I really haven't sat down one on one with stuff, and I you know I I mean people like it's, for me it's like people have asked me if I give you know over food like well can you can you give me some lessons and can you give me this? and I'm like you know what I I kind of do, you know, half-assed really don't know what I'm doing. And I really... <laughs> I honestly know that feeling, to tell you the truth, because I'm the same way. And 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 in all honesty, I just don't have the patience to be a teacher. Yeah, I, neither you, am I. <laughs> neither am I. I, I get know. it. Trust me, I get it. I actually used to teach photography, and I did it for a while, and after a while, I just had quit. I couldn't... Like, some people just don't get it, and no matter yeah. what you do, they're not going to get it. So it's like, ah, okay, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So I, you know, I admit to myself, I just don't have the patience going in. So I'm going to get myself in that situation. Well, it's good to recognize your strengths and weaknesses in life. It get, helps you yes. get along much easier. <laughs> well, I should probably let you go. I'm sure you have a busy day. Uh, anything you want to say about to folks about the uh, your new recording and the show at the Odeon coming up? Anything you want to add before we wrap? Well, like I say, if you're into really good, the band, I have a brand new band, is, the band is really great. And if you love good music, then you should come. If you're looking for dancing girls and, you know, explosions and fireworks and the rest of the shit, you should stay away. <laughs> but, but it's... I mean, but if you really love great music, then this is the band to see. Well, I can vouch for that. Having seen you, you you do have a great band. You're still your voice is still in fine form, and you're still a great player. So that's uh you know, and you're going to hear some great hits as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Legendary songs. That's that's 
the description I would say. You're going to hear legendary songs. All right. Well, thank you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time. You're welcome. I'm going to slow it down here a little bit and do a uh, classic traffic song here.
just a minute to breathe And they offer you one final wish Would it be something like a second chance Or something similar to this But don't worry too much It'll happen to you Sure as your sorrows your joys The thing that disturbs you is on the sound The low spark of high heel boys Okie thanks to Dave Mason for being part of this episode of the Roots Report Podcast. Dave Mason will be at the Greenwich Odium on June 22nd. The Roots Report Podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, The Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Gray Sale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SE Microphones. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 